Welcome to Unsigned 518. Uh, it's actually a little different episode today, uh, certainly different than anything I've done uh, with the show. I've, I guess in radio, I've done long distance things, but certainly not this long distance. So I'm, I'm on the phone with Kevin Cardinal. Kevin, how's it going? Hey, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm, I'm very well. So you are out in Seattle, right? I am. Yeah, and you're a, a, the 518 guy out in Seattle, and I thought mm-hmm. it would be super interesting to talk to you, not only um, because I've heard your name thrown around uh, from past guests, and I'm familiar with some of your projects, but I thought it'd be kind of cool to get a insider's view of what another local music scene, i.e. Seattle, is like. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to all that at one point, but basically I want to, um, for the, the listeners, get them caught up to speed with kind of who you are and what your musical projects have been. So really just kind of where where did your love of music start and uh, kind of how did it really take hold where you knew that, that this was going to be your thing? Um, and, I mean, in terms of uh, like getting into playing in bands and just stuff like that and just playing instruments, definitely, uh, you know, around the time I was like eight or nine, uh, getting into a lot of punk rock. You know, specifically, you know, because you know, I'm 32, so when I was 8 or 9, like, there's a lot of uh, the kind of mall pop punk, like, Blink-182s of the world coming out. So, like, you know, marketed towards the 8 and 9-year-olds, for sure. Um, but, yeah, you know, just getting into that stuff, getting into, um, you know, like, the more uh, esteemed punk be- that came before all of that stuff. Before that, uh, I, I think there was still an appreciation of music, but it was like, you know, listening to my mom's Beach Boys records, and um, I had the, the Batman Forever soundtrack, the Space Jam soundtrack, Batman Robin soundtrack. That one was pretty hip because it had a, that one had Smashing Pumpkins, so that, you know, that gets you cool points. Um, but no, but like in terms of uh, me actually like consciously going out and being like, oh, I need to consume this music that's not Space Jam or Batman. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, like Blink-182, some punk rock, some misfits, and uh, Beastie Boys was like another early nice. one for me. Now you're talking like, my, you know, because I'm 49, and like I'm, you know, when I say an old punk rock, like I'm, I'm still into punk rock, but, you know, like Descendants, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and Rancid, and uh, stuff like that. So, like the the precursor to Blink One Eighty Two, I guess you could say the for sure, yeah, yeah. the kind of SoCal thing. And honestly, yes. like you know, I mentioned the Beach Boys too. Like I feel like they're kind of a part of that too. You know, uh, you know, it's 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 similar to to pop punk and punk rock. You know, it's for uh, sure, especially like you know in in rancid um, guitar style. Like that, tell me that doesn't have yeah. Beach Boys written all over it. You know. Yeah, and also I think just the relation to like uh, extreme sports and the Southern California lifestyle and right, yeah, definitely. So you were influenced heavily by that. I mean, would you describe your music as, a, or basically, how would you describe your music? Because I know that's always a loaded question. It could, it could <laughs> it's, be. It's you know? so loaded. Um, well, I mean, like for a long time, I would just try and simplify it and say like, oh, we're a punk, we're a punk band or whatever, you know, but then that kind of at a certain point starts to blow up in your face because people have a very specific idea of what a punk band is when you, when you drop that word, you know? Right. Um, whereas like to me, you know, like, like Bob Dylan could be punk, you know, it's it's, punk is an attitude, not, you know, not a music. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, I would just kind of blanket statement it by saying like punks. I'm like, Oh, like here's some terminology that everyone knows that like gives you a rough idea, but you know, but then you kind of, uh, 
give people the wrong idea maybe um so i mean like with the record that we're about to put out uh you know in a couple weeks here i've just been saying that it's like um halfway between nirvana and the beach boys cool you know you give people reference points i think and it's you know yeah. like a little less confusing because you know everyone has like i think certain ideas that they attach to different like genre identifiers yeah and like our band um we you know we use the word punky because we we don't want to say we're punk for basically the same reason because when you say you're a punk band everybody ex- kind of expects something but like yeah. you know i have a heavy punk leaning even though our music is you know more poppy punk than actual punk but so i save that we're punky rock and roll because then i'm like it's you know you get the idea but i'm not saying we're <laughs> punks because we're all just yeah. like you know we're not <laughs> you know? yeah I, I think i think our instagram page says we're sad and surfy punk nice. music nice. something to that effect that's that's descriptive i like that um so now you started off in the 518 obviously and yeah. you've recently relocated out to Seattle. That is true. We're going on one year in Seattle. I okay. think uh, sometime in early September that'll mark and one year. And did the whole a whole band move out with you? Was it a you thing? No, just me solo. I kind of sprung it on them uh, as we were <laughs> gearing up to release this album, and I was expecting a lot of backlash, but everyone was really cool about it. Uh, we still have our, like our band chat still functions. We still just send each other like uh, like effect pedal memes and like like really specific <laughs> stuff like that um yeah and you know like the plan is eventually to kind of like i guess you could say recast the band out here no more okay. death stars west right. um but i've you know mostly just been taking my time with that because you know uh i'm really proud of this record i imagine the people that made it with me feel similarly like you know i just kind of wanted to give it its due you know i want i wanted to create a situation where the people that helped me make the record could kind of uh enjoy the moment i can enjoy it with them you know and i'm not rushing on to the next thing because right. uh i don't know i think that was like one of my major uh takeaways from trying to be a musician in the pandemic era it's just like you know people don't really take their time with stuff anymore we're all just kind of rushing to get stuff out yeah i mean that's a that's a solid point you know that it did certainly change the landscape of i mean not only like how music is made, but like who who started making music? Because I mean, a lot of people I've mm-hmm. talked to, you know, I mean, I know you've been m- making music long before the the pandemic, but a lot of people, myself included, like l- literally, that was kind of you know what almost gave me the like, well, you know, that was close. We almost all died, so let's you know let's start a band. <laughs> so like, there's a lot of a lot of bands that came out of that. You know, because people yeah. had that all of a sudden had that urgency, that drive to be like, well, we got to get out there and get out there and do that. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've been playing in bands for almost 20 years now, right. but I feel like in the pandemic, I, I came into my best. I came into my, my peak form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, almost feel like, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of obviously a lot of stress, a lot mm-hmm. of duress, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that, uh you can't make a diamond without that extreme pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, initially it was super stressful initially, you know, because it was like, you know, we, I mean, we had all these plans too. Like, obviously, you know, like you don't just like stumble into making a record, you know, that stuff takes planning. So, I mean, we had basically our, our whole year cut out at the beginning of 2020 where it was like, yeah, we're going to make this record. We're going to do like a little touring, we're gonna do x y and z like all these things that are dependent on money made from like playing shows and like said touring and you know and then the pandemic happened it's like people don't 
even really want to come to band practice because we don't feel comfortable being in a tiny cramped rehearsal space together spitting on microphones you know you like you're like you're just you're not even sure if you're gonna continue to be a band at that point you know and there's a lot of anguish and you know tours and shows get canceled and studio time gets delayed over and over again before you finally like you know hammer down a date that you can actually make uh so yeah there was a lot of uh like uncertainty i guess at first but in the end i think the pandemic ended up being the best thing for this record and it really like we couldn't have made this record the way that we did if there wasn't a pandemic and we didn't have like the space just to to do it and because that was a great thing too is not having to have our attention split 10 ways and focus on all the things that bands have to focus on now like maintaining a social media presence or or even just playing shows and going on these tours which you know honestly when you're like a small diy band sometimes have small returns and you know it's nice to just kind of uh take like a year or two where we're really only focusing on making music and you know doing it just doing it (laughs) just doing it yeah and so when you say we like with the band how many how many people are you know were involved in the project involved in the upcoming album then i want to talk also a little bit about the upcoming album like but uh who so who was involved in the making or uh, who was part of the band at the time i guess um, well, I mean, the, the core band was really the four of us that had been in that band. Uh, you know, like the band had been around since 2016, but that lineup had been around for about two years uh, before the pandemic occurred and we went to record the record. Um, so there was four of us, you know, myself, my friends, Kevin Stevenson and uh, Eric Rothstein, uh, both playing guitar, respectively, Gian Donato on the drums. Um, but then for the record, I mean, there was really a, just kind of like a huge extended family and lineup around all of that, you know? Cause I mean, this album, for one thing, I mean, we also just couldn't have made it the way we did without, uh, Ryan Cohen and Sam Mark who, uh, engineered and produced it and recorded it in Vermont with us. Um, uh, but then, you know, we've have like intense instrumentation on this record, like cellos and trumpets and all kinds of stuff like that you know so we had uh you know like our friend anton miller uh playing cellos and stacking and arranging them in ways to kind of sound like a faux orchestra we did the same thing with uh this trumpeter we had met ben ben burt who is like a vermont guy that someone put us in touch with yeah we just had a huge i think if you read the liner notes for the album i think it it claims that no more death stars is like eight people or something like that (laughs) nice and so uh, when is the album coming out? Uh, Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Well, I mean, this the, the episode will certainly air uh, before then, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it'll air, well, be- it'll we- air before then. So We've got three singles out so far from the record. Uh, so stream them at your leisure and convenience. Yes, and if you stream them a thousand times, you guys can split a cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw a spreadsheet the other day of the monetary breakdowns. Yeah, you probably saw the same thing from... I saw where I was like, yeah, wow, I think, that is Yeah, wild. so listen, you can stream Halloween 2008 now, and I think we get uh, .01934 <laughs> cents for that stream. I think it was like so, two zeros, .0019. <laughs> yeah, there might be some more zeros. Uh, I, honestly, reading it gave me like numerical dyslexia, so... <laughs> I can't be trusted. <laughs> right. Yeah, math, math's not my strong suit. But uh, anyway, so there's three singles out. Um, is there 
Do you want to play one of those uh, for the folks at home now? Yeah, let's do it. Um, should we play these in chronological order? Why not? Uh, yeah, so I guess this is going to be Emotional Lint Roller, uh, which is the second single we released off the record. And kind of, I don't know, I guess I just think it's like the best representation of the record. If, if I had to pick one song where I'm like, oh yeah, this, this is an apt summary, it'd probably be this song. Because uh, yeah, you'll get to hear some of those cellos and such that I teased. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, we put a lot of production and arrangement into this record, and I think this track shows it. Uh, and it's also just kind of a short track, so it delivers it to you pretty quickly. Okay, and this is Emotional Lint Roller, you said? Yes. All right, so let's listen to Emotional Lint Roller, No More Death Stars, and then we'll be right back with Kevin Cardinal. I will see you in hell, dude, you're getting a death. So that was Emotional Lint Roller from No More Death Stars, and I'm here uh, with Kevin Cardinal. So um, you were saying Emotional Lint Roller is the second single off of the album, the upcoming album, JPEG, which will be released basically by the time, right around the time this uh, episode comes out. So going forward, everyone will be able to get it. But uh, So tell me a little bit about uh, JPEG as an album. Um, yeah, so we recorded it in vermont i think i mentioned earlier at a robot dog studio robot dog studio is uh ryan cohen's baby um who is actually in the process of relocating his studio to upstate new york um but this was robot dog 
Mark One, which was uh, just outside of Burlington. Uh, so we spent a lot of time in 2020 just kind of dicking around Burlington, I suppose. Um, and Ryan is someone I had met just through touring when I was uh, I was playing bass for Asa Morris, uh, who you've spoken to, I believe. And uh, yeah, so I, I just met Ryan, you know, through tour and was impressed with, uh, you know, he had produced a few friends of mine. Liked his sound. We were into a lot of the same, I think, kind of reference points. Uh, so yeah, he, uh, produced the whole thing at Robot Dog. The whole thing, it was essentially tracked live. Like, it's a very produced record, like I was saying, but at its core, it's still kind of a raw, unrelenting rock record, I would say. But, uh, but yeah, you know, we went back, um, and then, you know, through the overdub process, added a lot of the kind of, like, orchestral elements I was talking about earlier. I guess kind of built something sort of cinematic around that raw rec record. Record. That's a weird thing to say. Raw rock record. Tune in. Uh, listen to me melt away. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. That, that that's all I got for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. So when you say it's an out, there's three singles out. Is like mm-hmm. how long is it? A you know eight, ten. How many songs are on the? Uh, yeah, it's ten tracks. Nice. Uh, clocks at about thirty-eight minutes, I believe. It's a, it's a concise ten. And so, the other uh, people in the band are still located in the five one eight. They are. Okay. Yeah. And the, and I mean, you still can you know make, like I said, make that work via technology. I guess is a an interesting thing. But so, how would you say uh, you know not to veer too super far away from you? Uh, personally with your projects but what I, when I knew we were going to do this what I was really thinking is I wanted to compare what you thought the 518 scene to the Seattle scene it, like what kind of a difference there was or if it's kind of you know the same do you find like out there you know that there's a lot of support for the local mm. music scene yeah well you know they're they're very different I think just because um you know, I think smaller towns and bigger cities kind of have a tendency to create like very distinctly different scenes. You right, know, right? Um, and maybe not even in the way you would expect. I think in in the bigger cities, things have a tendency to feel um, like a little, a little insular. Sometimes I'm thinking more so. I think about New York City than Seattle right now. Like I'm sure people on the East Coast listening to this have like familiarity with trying to book New York City, and you know, it's uh, it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so it, it seems like Seattle is a lot easier to break into than, than something like that. Like, it has a lot of the charms of a smaller uh, scene, I would say. You know, just kind of like that. Um, I, I, I guess uh, it, it seems accessible. And also it seems like there are people helping each other and kind of doing it, um, you know, just for the love of right. um, just doing it with their friends, you know. I, I would say... Um, I guess you could compare all of Seattle to the 518 in that, like, within the 518, you kind of have these independent scenes, Saratoga and Albany and, like, what have you, but they're all intermingling and such. Uh, Seattle's kind of the same way where just, like, in a single neighborhood, I've noticed you might find, like, oh, like, here's that bar where you can go to see bands X, Y, and Z. Okay. Um, Which is kind of cool, you know, and then maybe, like, these bands from Uptown will play Downtown next week and, like, you know, whatever, but, like... 
you know, it seems like there's kind of like factions within the scene. I don't want to say factions because that makes it sound like adversarial. <laughs> right, but, right, right. But yeah, just like like splinter scenes within the scene. They're all kind of serving like a greater purpose, you know, which is cool. But yeah, I mean, I haven't really explored too much yet with like injecting myself into that scene. I've just been kind of like going to shows and standing in the corner like Travis Bickle, uh, like all, <laughs> all silent and like just kind of watching and, you know, like absorbing. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think once this record's out, um, definitely see myself trying to interact a little bit more. And, uh, you know, like I said, just sort of, I guess, do a soft reboot of the band out here. You know, I do have kind of like ideas of record two and what that's like. Uh, and I think, the most likely scenarios it involves uh like finding people out here in seattle that can like help me with that cool um so you want to hear or rather would you like the folks to hear another song off the uh, upcoming album yeah we can play another single off the record we can do the most recent single which is halloween 2008 okay Um, yeah yeah and tell me a little like as a horror fan like i know we're on the phone but if you could see the room that i'm i'm in i've got Mm. michael myers uh posters and figurines and and masks and jason Voorhees shit and stephen king posters and so like is that an homage to the to uh to a love of Halloween? Um I, yes and no. I got, like I do have a soft spot for Halloween <laughs> and I, I think on a subconscious level, like uh I'm definitely milking the iconography or just uh, you know, the overall feeling that you get when you evoke Halloween. Uh but no, but the the song itself uh funny on a couple counts cuz a it's uh technically the first No More Death Star song because it's the first song I wrote um, after dissolving my previous band that I was like contributing songwriting stuff for. Um, but then also, really, it's a song about a specific Halloween that I had in 2008, uh, where I guess you could say I fell in love for the first time, and uh, I lost a pint of blood through my oh, nose. I used to get uh, really bad nosebleeds when I was a kid, and I actually, when I was a teenager, I had my nose cauterized, which was terrible. Um, but yeah, I went away to college, and I don't know, like, uh, it was in the mountains, so maybe the elevation change or something uh, unhinged something. But uh, yeah, I got this really wicked nosebleed uh, that just went on and on for about 30 minutes, and then at some point, someone got the RA involved. Uh, someone, the RA then, like, didn't know what to do, like, called, like, the campus police, uh, campus police didn't know what to do because they probably thought I was just like doing a bunch of cocaine right? or something, just <laughs> bleeding all over the place. But yeah, no, uh, they loaded me into the back of a cop car and they drove me to the health center and uh, they told me I'd lost like a pint of blood and uh, don't take any Tylenol, don't drink. Uh, but it, you know, it was Halloween, I was 18, so naturally I, I drank quite a bit. Sure. Uh, got very drunk. Uh, in front of a special lady who I then puked in front of. Um, and the rest is history. Immortalized forever in this song. Well, sweet. Well, let's hear Halloween 2008, No More Death Stars, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up with Kevin Cardinal. <laughs>
All right, that was Halloween 2008 from No More Death Stars. Uh, so, Kevin, thank you so much uh, for speaking with me. I know you uh, were on a time difference and you've got things to do, and uh, and I, so I appreciate you taking a pause in your day to uh, talk to me. And uh, before we go, I just like I give everybody a chance to just kind of say whatever you want to say. Thank you to whoever. Um, you know, basically the the microphone is yours. Cool. Um. Yeah, well, I guess thank you to everyone who, I guess, not I guess, I know thank you. Uh, I know thank you to everyone <laughs> who was involved in this record, you know, like all my bandmates, uh, Ryan and Sam, who I mentioned, who helped record the record, all the session players that were on the record, all of my friends who I annoyed for like a year straight by sending them half-cocked mixes and demos and like sketch mixes with like MIDI bullshit weaved in to try and give them like, you know, like like the unreleased like Brian Wilson smile session tapes version of the album. <laughs> it's like kind of pieced together. Uh, you know, it's like my friend uh, the Asa who we mentioned – Caitlin, John, and Jesse, and Candy Ambulance, they had to listen to not very good demos. Um, Bobby, all my other friends, and Dreyer, all my friends back home, just all the other great 518 musicians, uh, guys in safety meeting, always a fun time, get on their stinky bus with. Mike Rios, <laughs> formerly operating Googs. No More Death Stars fan number one, Patient Zero, really just the grandfather of upstate New York music, you could say. Grandpa Punk, Grandpa Goog. All right, cool. Well, again, uh, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me. And uh, that is Kevin Cardinal. Uh, no More Death Stars, the album will be at, what did you say, September 12th? September 2nd. September 2nd. Well, I knew there was a two in there. So uh, No More Death Stars, the album uh, JPEG will be out September 2nd. And I'll tag or I'll link to all your socials so people can find you very easily. But again, that is Kevin Cardinal, No More Death Stars. I'm Andy Scullin. This is Unsigned 518, and I'll see you on the road. Cool. Unsigned 518 is produced in conjunction with Nippertown. You can find new episodes here every week on nippertown.com. If you are a band or musician in the 518 area code and would like to be on Unsigned 518, shoot me an email at unsigned518 at gmail.com. I'm your host, Andy Scullin. I'll be back next week with another episode of Unsigned 518. Thanks for listening.